They say small business is the backbone of America. So what's the best way to support a small business? It is to learn more about them and share with your family and friends. We interview founders from across the world who have started and scaled their business through the ups and downs, long hours, and the rewards that come from sacrificing their time to build their business. Welcome to First to Arrive, Last to Leave, the journey of an entrepreneur. All right, so welcome to another episode of First to Arrive, Last to Leave. I'm Erin Greger. I'm Courtney Radloff. And today we have a very another special guest. Uh, we have Daphne Subar of Subar's Suites. Uh, Daphne, are you based out of L.A.? I am based out of L.A. Okay, that's what we thought. We were looking for it. And uh, yeah, well, thank you from California. Thank you so <laughs> much for joining us today. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. Well, we, as I mentioned before we talked, I have a selfish side to me that I really want to dig into your story because I'm like a secret baker by heart uh, or secret baker at heart. So I want to hear the story. You're in law, you are, you have a career and you decide that you're going to run a bakery. So can you, or a bake shop, like I want to hear all of this. Can you tell us that you know, what was happening in your life, and then you decided to completely do a 180. Of course, of course. So yeah, and it was a 180. Um, so yes, yeah, so I was practicing law for about 25, 26 years. Same time I'm raising my daughters, I love to bake. Um, I actually love to eat baked goods. So I felt like if I baked them, it justified eating them. Whereas I felt guilty if I bought them. Yeah. So through the years, I did a lot of baking, one of my daughters had some medical issues and was on a special diet for a while. Another one of my daughters um, had some severe food allergies. So I was able to take some recipes of things that I thought they'd like and kind of tweak them. So I became very comfortable in the kitchen. Um, and I always volunteered to bake for, you know, the school potlucks or the soccer games or any of that. Um, and people always said, oh, you should really try to sell some of your baked goods. They're really good. I always said, well, I don't really know. I don't really know how to run a business. I don't really know what I'd be doing. I'm happy practicing law, which I always was. Um, so there was really no real push to do it. However, when my youngest daughter was in third grade, she had a, a school project and she had to come up, design a flyer for a business. And she said, mom, I think you're going to have a bakery one day. So she designed this flyer and it was, um, it had a picture of me. And they got a picture of a cookie and it said Sue Bar without the Z back then. All bars, one, all bars, one bakery. And it always stuck in the fridge because I was proud of it. So I put it on the fridge. It was there for years. Always, you know, I would look at it every time I went in the fridge. Fast forward probably 10 years after that, my oldest daughter is in college and she is um, decides she wants to become a theater major and work in stage management. Um, and she called us up. She was all excited about that. I'm like, great. You found out what you wanted to do. Perfect. I'm really happy for you. That's your passion. And then got a lot of unsolicited advice from people saying, well, theater is not really practical. Will she really be able to you know, make it? Is it really, you know, all sorts of things. And I'm like, you know what? She'll be 22 when she graduates. Let her try. Mm -hmm. If she finds out it's not what she wants to do, she can change. I mean, mm -hmm. So I kept saying this over and over again, and it was my younger daughters that said to me, Mom, that flyer's been on the fridge now for over 10 years. You always said one day, and now it's your time. And then I did the excuses again to them. I'm like, well, there's a mortgage, there's a this, there's a that. 
And they were just innocently saying, so what? Like, you can figure it out. Mm-hmm. Kind of like you do to your kids, like you can figure it out. But yeah. they reversed it on me and I ran out of excuses. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. Let me try it and figure it out. So June 2016, so seven years ago, I left the practice of law and decided to launch a bakery, honestly, not knowing what I was doing at all. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> there's wow. <laughs> so, all right. I love this. I'm getting teary eyed. I I know. I just love the like, I love the belief from your daughters. Mm -hmm. um, And I read too, like you did this to prove to them, like kind of give them that foundation that they could do anything they want. So uh, you start a bakery. So talk about like what you decided to do, how you decided to, you know, sell what you sold and just the whole process of starting this business. And I mean, be, I mean, let's be honest, it probably had to be very terrifying walking from a law career because that's not it's not like you're walking away from a minimum wage job, but a law career into building this on your own. So, I mean, I know that's a lot of questions there and I'm <laughs> sorry, but we got a lot to unpack here. Yeah, no problem. And I'll try to get to them all. <laughs> so, yeah, it was very scary, especially because I didn't know what I was doing. It wasn't quite as scary at the time because in some ways I didn't know what I didn't know. Mm hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and I did keep my law license active and I still keep it active always as that safety net, just because I worked so hard to get it, worked yeah. for so many years. I didn't want to give it up. Okay. So when I started, I had been making this, um, I'd been making Mondel bread for years, which is kind of like a biscotti. And that's what people were asking me to sell because I had taken a traditional recipe that would a lot of times has nuts and I had tweaked it a little bit. So I kind of knew the product I wanted to start with. However, when you make a mandel bread, it's like a biscotti. So none of the pieces are uniform. So I knew I had to come up with a product that I could package and somehow sell. Mm-hmm. When I started, I wasn't thinking about shipping. I really was just thinking I'm going to have a bakery. Um, so I decided to come up with something a little bit creative. So I wanted to take the mandel bread, combine it with the sweetness of a cookie. And that's what Subars are. So it takes the crunch of the mandel bread with the sweetness of a cookie. Mm-hmm. Um And then I had to figure out the right shape to fit in the box. I mean, there were so many things that I never thought of. Um, And I started simple. I started with one flavor. I had traditional chocolate chip. um, And then the first year I added a flavor every month. And that was great. And that was advice another business owner gave me, which was start simple. Yeah. Um, As I started, I'm like, no, I want to bake this and I want to bake cupcakes. Like I was so excited. Um, but I kept it simple and I've still kept it simple. I have one product, but in about 21 varieties. Wow. Wow. So were you baking? Did you like rent a space? Yeah, did you bake out of you? Was it a like, I don't know what the cottage industry law or cottage law is. Is it like you have a home baker thing and then you have a. Yeah. What did you decide home? to do for that? Yeah. Exactly. And I think that differs state to state by state. So okay. California, I was able to start out of my house, which was great. So awesome. I really didn't have a big investment. I would kind of almost bake to order. Um, and that was great. And I probably stayed out of my house under my cottage license more than a year, maybe a year and a half. And then I found a commercial kitchen that I can go to and bake from there. And that was great. That was a game changer. So at home I could bake um, about maybe a couple hundred a day. And at the commercial kitchen, I can do a couple thousand in four hours. So it really... Whoa. was a game changer. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you start growing this? And I'm like, I would just so curious, like, you know, obviously there's the, you know, farmer's market stuff you could do locally, but 
I'm so curious how you started building this to a national brand where the shipping came into play. Yeah, that was hard because I also didn't think it through. That was another thing where I didn't know what I didn't know. I thought, okay, I'm going to have a bakery and then people are just going to come to me. Like I would just, like, I didn't think any of that through. So a lot of it was social media in the beginning and, um, you know, really just email blast, social media, a lot of networking. Um, again, my daughters, so I had been on Facebook, but I had never been on Instagram before launching in 2016. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you need to go on Instagram. I'm like, no, I don't. <laughs> they set me up an Instagram. And that was also a game changer. Just getting the word out there um, really helped. And the the great thing is people that receive Subars, just the way they're packaged, they come beautifully packaged um, in this kind of pink box and they're individually wrapped in a doily. And they all, if they're a gift, they come with a handwritten note. Ooh. So once people received them, they actually really liked them and they started becoming clients and sending them to others. Um, the other thing I realized a couple of years into my business, I kept thinking of myself as a bakery. Mm-hmm. And then I looked at who was buying my product and 90% were as gifts. So I kind of thought, well, wait a minute, I'm more of a gifting company. And that's when I kind of started reaching out to corporations who are looking for creative ways to gift. Um, and I work with them. So, you know, let's say they want to figure out a way to um, show all their employees how much they appreciate them. You know, let's just get them a box every couple of months. Either it was delivered to their desk and then it got delivered home during the pandemic. Um, So there was a lot of creativity there. And when I looked back at my business and realized it was really more of a gift giving service that also provided the product, it really kind of took off. Interesting. I I love I love that so much. So how where did the aesthetic come from? Because we we looked at the box there. It's gorgeous and it's very thoughtful. And you have to piece each piece. Is there like, sorry, there's going to be multiple questions. Yeah. On this one too. <laughs> uh, like an assembly line or they're, they're obviously hand being hand done. A lot of that part is still done by me because we customize a lot of our boxes. So while I have a couple employees in the kitchen that help me, I'm really the one that still puts it in the boxes, which isn't really great. I, I need to outsource that, but I just, I like them placed perfectly. Every box looks very homemade. Mm-hmm. Um, for the aesthetics, I don't, when I started, I just randomly picked a pink box, which was interesting. Um, and I had my logo designed um, and it used to be on a sticker and I would put it on each box. Now I have the boxes made. Um, but some of it, I kind of fell into like the doilies. I just tried in the beginning just to see what it would look like. And people loved the doilies. I wouldn't have thought about that. Mm-hmm. The handwritten note when I started, because I was so small, I would handwrite the notes. And that was actually something that everyone commented on. They really like a handwritten note. No, very few people get a note that's handwritten. And they don't know that, I, that I'm writing it or someone on my team. They could think, you know, the actual sender. I have several smaller clients. And I think the recipients of their gifts think that they write it. But some of those things I just kind of tried in the beginning because I didn't know, not thinking they would actually become part of the brand. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when did you... Um go to Goldman Sachs? When did you start that program? When was the transition for you? So gold, So I, I launched in 2016. I did Goldman Sachs in 2021. And it was, so I guess five years, almost to the day. Like I started in the summer and I started Goldman Sachs program in the summer. Amazing. And so what did, kind of describe your company going into Goldman Sachs and what it looked like coming out? Like where where were those massive shifts for you as a business owner? A lot. Goldman Sachs was amazing. And we were actually a virtual cohort. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, I'm still connected. I actually saw one of my co 
cohort members, I don't know what they're called, mm-hmm. um, yesterday, actually, at, at an event that she invited me to. Um, so it was great. So going in, the business was growing, and I knew it had a lot of potential, but I kind of didn't feel focused on what it would take to grow. Mm-hmm. And I and I think I was always kind of working in my business, kind of trying to keep up with things, but never stood back and worked on my business. Um, and on, honestly, before Goldman Sachs, I was scared to look at my financials. I knew them generally, but I never went in deep. Coming out of Goldman Sachs, first thing I did was I hired a bookkeeper. So that was key. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who can do it so much better than I ever did it. And everything is better there. And I don't have to stress about that. Also, I work on my business more than in my business. which And I'm trying to, to remind myself of all those things I promised myself coming out. Like I need to sit down every week for a couple hours and really just go back to my growth plan yeah. and go back and see what I want to do. Cause when you lay it all out, it's pretty simple, but when you do day to day, you get distracted all the time. Yeah. And actually I should probably focus on that more today, yeah. but yeah, no, I came out um, really feeling confident and I came out also feeling like I had a great network, mm-hmm. a new network to work with. And do you have a storefront or is it all, um, like the, you just ship, there's a, you ship products all over. It's yeah. We ship nationwide, which is great. Yeah. Um, we don't have a storefront. We have had various stores that have carried our products throughout the years. They haven't been big money makers. Honestly, it's more of a marketing thing. So if someone sees mm-hmm. my product in the store, they may buy like a three pack of it and then come online and order or a couple local stores in the beginning to kind of get the word out. I would partner with them. So I, if somebody wanted to order my product, but not pay for shipping, I would drop them off at a local coffee store and then they could pick it up from there. And it would help the coffee store because it would get new clients walking in to their store to pick it up. And inevitably they'd buy a cup of coffee. Yes. Oh, I love it. So what have been some, you know, you talked about, there's just a lot you didn't know. And I'm going to assume it hasn't been once you figured it out, it was super smooth sailing. Uh, But maybe it was, but um, what have been some bumps along the way that you've had just in going into an industry you didn't have experience in and now running your own company in that industry? Um, There's been a few bumps. Um, One was, and it was more of a self-imposed bump, was getting out of my kitchen and getting into the commercial space. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of imposter syndrome that kicked in there. Um, And even I still remember vividly driving to that kitchen the first day and I was going to stay, it was kind of a test day and feeling like I'm going to walk in and they're going to know that I'm a fake. They're going to know that I'm not a baker. They're going to like all that, like, and it didn't happen, but all that. So those, there's some of those bumps that were self-imposed. Um, there was some issues during the pandemic with supply chain. So I had to actually pull a few products cause I couldn't get some of those supplies. And then the cost went up of our products. I mean, of my supplies went up tremendously. I ended up not increasing my product price because I felt like people were dealing with enough. I could cut it a little bit on my end, at least temporarily, because I didn't want to pass that on because I felt like people just have so much going on. They don't need to be paying more for a treat. Well, and shipping costs too, like shipping costs went through the roof. Mm -hmm. So how did you deal with that also? Because I mean, you can't, you can only cut so much, right? Yeah. Right. Shipping costs have always been an issue. That was something I didn't realize in the beginning. Um, I just thought shipping's a no-brainer. Um, and it was hard in the beginning. I used to actually charge my clients the straight shipping price, like it would just pass through. But 
probably more than half of my boxes are shipped to the East Coast, and that shipping is is expensive. So I had to come up with a plan. And then I also had people complaining about they wanted to know the end cost before they hit submit. Yeah. Um, so I did come up with a flat rate shipping that model that's kind of working, and then free shipping over a hundred dollars. Um, but the shipping was really hard, and I had to fool around with do I do UPS, USPS, a different shipper. And all that. And unfortunately, it's a little bit complicated by Amazon, who gives free shipping. Yes. Um, because people don't want to pay for the shipping. But I think now, I think it's an, it's in a good place. So there's a flat rate shipping on all orders up to $100, and then it's free. Um, and people seem happy with that because they know what they're getting. And generally, they want to support a small business, which is nice. And they know mm-hmm. with a small business, you sometimes have to pay shipping. Well, and I think mentally, too, I know for me, mm-hmm. if something's $10 with $10 shipping, I get really pissy. <laughs> but if somebody was like, if something was just $20 for free shit, I'd be like, OK, whatever. It's $20. Like you you see that shipping talent. You're like, I don't want to pay 15 but especially <laughs> when you're an Amazon Prime member and yeah. you're used to $0 shipping, you know, but it's just I know those costs have just continued to go and go and go up. And it, I just can't imagine when you're trying to when your whole business is shipping trying to manage that too. Yeah, it, it's been, it's been tough, but, um, but yeah, and I'm actually the same way. I had the other day I ended up buying, I was ordering some clothes. I bought an extra item of clothing because I wanted that free shipping. Yeah. Yep. Do it all, all the, the time. Yep. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. That happens. That's, that's every time, right? Because you're like, well, I'm going to offset it. I'd rather have something. Exactly. Then pay the shipping. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So you started just as you, and now how many team members do you have? So right, so it's it's ebbed and flowed over the years. Right now, we're a little bit leaner. So right now, it's me. I have an admin, and then I have two individuals in the kitchen that help me bake. They're technically not my employees; they're employed by the kitchen, and I rent them out for the time I'm there, which is great. Um, usually around the holidays, I'll bring on a couple other people to um, help. But yeah. And then what is net like? Where do you want to go next with this? Like I. I guess, like, you know, another part to that is how do you grow a business that it really does require a taste, right? Like, you know, you've got the word of mouth. I'm giving this as gifts. But how do you continue to grow that that business where it, I almost feel like there is almost that requirement that they've got to come in the store? And, and I know it's not true, but I'm just curious how you how you grow it and what's next for the business. Um, it's a lot of networking. Um, and I think the next step for the business is really expanding our corporate gifting. Mm-hmm. So, because that's really, you know, I, I love my individual clients. Um, we also have a membership program. So some people get a box a month, um, but it's really the corporate clients is going to be the way to scale. Cause that's, you know, one person who may order a thousand boxes for all their clients for the year or their employees. So, so that's the future of the company. Okay. Awesome. And that's just through networking. Do you have a game plan for that? It's, it's a lot of networking. I was, I, I am a woman-owned business, but I was just certified as a Weeby. Okay. Um, so I'm, I think that may yes. open some doors. So, yeah. We were just in Tennessee and uh, met so many um, women-owned businesses for WeBank. And it's amazing. There's a lot of corporate gifting women-owned. So I think that's, like, such a good yeah. um, opportunity for you. Yeah. I had several. Actually, they were Goldman Sachs people that I met that had – uh, encouraged me to get certified. So yeah, I finally did it. Good. Incredible. Um, okay. So now are you going to move into other products? Are you going to stay within the lane that you've created for yourself? What's, what's the plan with that? 
I think I'm going to stay within the lane. So I think we're going to keep it with the bars, B-A-R-Z. But we can always expand on the flavors. So we started with the one. We now have 13 or 14 original flavors. Plus we have about eight gluten-free. So really the next expansion would be to get a few more gluten-free out there. You know, I can basically do every original in a gluten-free. I just have to create that recipe. Um, and then we could do some more flavors. We could do some holidays, some fun flavors for the holidays. Mm-hmm. Um, we did start with the chocolate peppermint, Ooh. our first holiday season. It was so popular that now we have it all year long. So there's been a few I introduced <laughs> for a holiday and then they took off. Um, but I think the next step would really be um, expanding the flavors a little bit more. What are your top sellers? Depends on the time of the year. Uh, <laughs> holiday is chocolate peppermint. Mm-hmm. Apple Trilogy is really um, popular around the holidays. Over all throughout the year, I think Lemon Time and Traditional Chocolate Chip are the two big sellers. That's awesome. So I'm curious, um, you know, you took this leap. It's been several years now. I can't believe 2016 was eight years ago. What is it? I know. Seven years ago. Uh, I'm curious... How do you feel about this move? Do you ever look back and say, I miss law? Do you ever look back and say, crazy move? But I, I just would love to know where you are right now and how you feel about taking this massive leap and and starting this. I loved it. And I'm so glad that I did it. I never, ever thought I would have a business. I never wanted to have a business. I never, I liked law because I worked for a law firm. Mm-hmm. I went in, I kind of got the cases. I could do what I wanted with them. And then I could go home. I mean, I took them home with me, but Mm -hmm. it's a whole different thing. I never thought I would love this. There's so much learning involved, which I didn't realize, you know, and I started the business in my fifties. And it was Mm -hmm. actually really invigorating to learn a lot. Like I had to learn about social media and marketing and packaging and shipping and the fine. I mean, there's so much, but I actually really enjoyed it. The only two things that I missed about practicing law when I started. The first was vacations Yeah, because <laughs> you're always thinking about your business. It's really hard to, yeah. to take a break. Um, the second thing was initially was people like the camaraderie. Cause I worked in a law firm. I would go down the hall to get my cup of coffee. I'd see someone, we'd chat for five minutes. We'd, I'd go back to my office. You know, I'd go to lunch with someone suddenly at home. I'm walking to the kitchen. I say hello to the dog. I grab my cup of coffee and then that's it. Yeah. So it was yeah. a little lonely yes. in the beginning. Um, I did do some networking um, and then pandemic hit. And in some ways that was actually nice though, because I felt like everyone was on Zoom and I was able to network and meet amazing people across the country who I wouldn't have met if it weren't for the pandemic. I would only have gone to local networking events, which were great. But suddenly I joined a couple online networking groups and there's Everyone has a great story. Yeah. Um, and that's another thing that I love about starting my own business. I've met so many business owners that are so inspiring and that are just lovely. And they all have a great story. And it's just it's just great to learn from them. Yeah. No truer words have been spoken about <laughs> the two things that you've just mentioned. Yeah. yeah vacation yes. and camaraderie. I'm like, oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, all right, rapid fire. Sure, let's go. All right, let's do some <laughs> rapid fire. Uh, That's the part that always scares me. So it, let's see if I can we'll do go. it. That's good. <laughs> Your favorite beverage? Um, alcohol or non-alcoholic, or both? Oh, you or go either. both. 
Okay. Um, Non-alcoholic is probably either a really good latte or just like a really good seltzer. Alcoholic lately, you're asking me the summer, is probably an Aperol spritz because it's just been really hot in LA. Yes. Uh, The best advice you've ever been given? The best advice I've ever been given was probably from my kids to say, follow your passion, Mm. which I would not have done. I would not have stopped and actually intentionally done that. Do you ever talk about the art? Do you still have it? Do you have it like up in your office or? I, I, I put it somewhere and honestly, I can't find it. And I need to find it because I want to frame it. And I know one of those times where you like frantically clean, like there's a bunch of stuff in my fridge and I took it down, but it's somewhere. I know I didn't get rid of it. I just don't know where it is. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That don't tell sad. my daughters. I, I won't. No. Secret Please. safe. Yep. Just don't show them this podcast. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, if you could have dinner with anyone. Probably my mom. So my mom passed away before I started my business. Mm. She passed away about six, seven years before I started my business. Um, And I don't think, I think she would have been shocked, surprised, and proud of me. Um, You know, she she immigrated to this country. She, um, her and my dad did, and they started a couple of businesses. And she worked really, really hard. And they really were um, an inspiration to me. Um, And my dad was alive, and he was able to see me start the business and grow the business. Um, but she didn't get to see that. So it'd be great to have dinner with her and just check in on the business. And also my kids were so little and just yeah. let them know everyone's okay. Yeah. Mm, I love that. Uh, what does your morning routine look like? It's always a hard one. It really depends. Generally, I'm up fairly early um, and I try to get a quick workout in the morning, meaning like a quick walk or something fairly quick. Um, I've learned that if I don't do it first thing. A lot of times it doesn't happen. Um, And then it's the cups of coffee, the checking the email, and then I'm jumping right into work. I'm curious. I also do, actually, I'm not very good at it because I think I forgot this morning. I also really try to practice gratitude when I can remember. And I try to, first thing in the morning, think of three things that I'm really grateful for from it. They can be really small, like I got a good night's sleep or they can be really big, but I really try to start the day off with gratitude. I love it. So this isn't rapid fire, but I'm curious, like as you bake, what kind of life or uh, shelf span do you have on your cookies? Like from when they bake to when they're out the door, like how how much wiggle room do you have? A lot. Also, it just happens. I mean, a lot of this, I'm telling you, I didn't know what I was doing. I use oil, not butter, which I think helps from the time they leave the house really in the box or shipped out it's probably six to eight weeks shelf life wow oh that's they have wonderful. a great so that's okay. why they're perfect for gifting yeah. yeah honestly i didn't have anything to do with that and the first year i i didn't even know what my shelf life was i shipped out a box beginning of december beginning of february it was returned to me because it had the wrong address i made my husband taste them and they were exactly the same Wow. And he didn't get sick. Okay. Yeah. And he didn't get sick. <laughs> I love and it. They looked fine and they yeah. smelled fine, but I told him he could take the first bite and they were fine. It's, it's a good husband right there. <laughs> it, it, he is a good husband. Uh, what are you currently reading? I'm, I just finished a book called The Measure and I'm starting another book that I already forgot the name of. So The Measure I just finished, which is a great book. Awesome. There's so many books after this now that I have to read. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know. There's never enough time. No. no. <laughs> uh, the your top bucket list item. My top 
bucket list item is probably I would love to travel to Africa. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. It's on mine too. And uh, what's your guilty pleasure? My guilty pleasure is probably a massage, like some kind of self-care, which I don't really do. And then whenever I do it, I'm like, why don't I schedule these regularly? But you just don't. And I know that hour that I block out does wonders for me physically and mentally, but I just don't do it. Well, and I can only imagine how badly you need them. Like I last Friday, my daughter had a little friend over. We were baking all day and it it, it hurts like standing and and moving like I am physically I'm, you know, mentally tired, but physically done after just standing for, you know, we were up for six hours or so working on that stuff. So I can't imagine doing that day in and day out. It's got to take a toll on you. It's interesting that you say that because I didn't realize how physically demanding it was. And the first year when I was still at home, so I was baking a lot slower at the end of the day, I could barely move my arms because I was carrying like big pans and then they're twice baked. So you bake them once and then you cut them, you flip them on their sides. They go on a second time. That's what gives Mm -hmm. them the unique um, texture. And I literally was in tears when I, and I called my daughter out. Um, I think there's only one living at home at the time. And I'm like, can you help me? Can you just cut these? Because I, the thought of lifting the knife up, I couldn't do it since then. That's another reason why I try to exercise every day. I realize I really need to, you know, make sure my core is strong and do all those things because you don't realize how much goes into standing and just care. And the one pan is not heavy. No, two pans are a little heavier, but doing it all day long really takes its toll. And I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. So get those massages on your on <laughs> your right. every I'm every month list. All right. Well, Daphne, thank you so much. If somebody wanted to get a hold of you, order your bars, learn more about what you're doing, where is the best place for them to go? The best place is the website, which is www.subarzsuitesweets.com. Awesome. And that'll be on our notes page over at firsttoarrivelastsleeve.com. So, Jeffany, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so glad we had a chance to talk. I I love your story. I love the over 50 side of it. I love that your daughter's pushed you to do this. I love, I just love so much about it because as you get older, you think you'd get more confidence, but there's just, to your point, there's just more excuses not to do it, Mm -hmm. right? You get, and I love that you took the leap and, and you're happy you did. Thank you. Thank you. This is great. This is a pleasure to meet you both. Awesome. Well, thank Thank you you so much again. 